0: flushcarecom slash weight loss. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Erin During, welcome to The Mentor.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: I'm going to talk to you about your strategic advisory business. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well. But
0: it says in here, <laughs> formerly co-founder of Triangle Swimwear. Uh-huh. I love the name Triangle. I actually like, love the way it's spelt, but I like the... Um, inference of a triangle Mm -hmm. being um sort of being quite a an interesting evocative visual thing you know when it comes to swimwear. Yep. Um do you mind just telling me how did you come up with that name and spelling?
1: (laughs) Well it actually was a triangle bikini so that was that was the reason why we named it triangle so we loved that shape that original 70s triangle bikini shape, and then we dropped the E because we knew that if we had triangle with the E, no one would be able to find us and it would and it'd be hard to register. Registering the name triangle around yeah. the world or even in Australia it would have been difficult. So it's that simple. But then it's funny because as we went along, we've done everything in threes. And that's kind that of mean- been just like every, everything was in threes. We just had our everything on our layout of our website was always in threes. It was sort of this impulse purchasing mentality that we had that we built in really, really quickly where one, was, one choice wasn't enough, two wasn't enough, four was too many, three felt like you had to pick something. I don't know why and it's stuck and it's even my mantra now. Everything's in threes.
0: I remember the bikini. Yeah. It was an unusual looking bikini. It wasn't like... um the normal. More classic, let's yes. call it. Um, it was a, an unusual sort of pattern. The sewing on it was a bit unusual as well.
1: So we launched with normal nylon spandex. Didn't get. Like, it was good. It was doing pretty well a couple of months in, but we weren't getting that traction that we just felt like we wanted to get that magic, that something special. So we launched neoprene, which was our fabric that we kind of became known for, which is wetsuit material, and we did a black binding around the edge. So anyone that knows Triangle from its sort of heyday and the thing that put us on the, on the map, it was that. It was neoprene with black binding. Very simple, nothing that crazy, but it was new. It looked amazing online. It looked really good on the body because it was very smooth. Um, wasn't that comfortable to wear on a hot day? It didn't really have much breathability. Yeah, yeah. Like wetsuit material it keeps you warm. It's sort of like so. If you have that as a bikini, definitely. But people didn't care. People wanted to look good. So
0: because the neoprene created a structure
1: it created a smoothing effect
0: smoothing yeah effect, which which yeah. means what
1: structure when we started to get a bit of traction with it and i would wear it and i loved it it had that it didn't move and when you're a young girl and you know you're at the beach and you're sitting down or you get out of the water and you know bikinis nylon spandex moves easily especially when it's wet so we neoprene doesn't it would stay so you'd get out of the water with a lot of confidence that everything was in its place and as it should be. Supported. Yeah. Which period? Mid-2013, I think we launched.
0: So 10 years ago, you and your Mm -hmm. co-founder, Greg Ellis, tell me how you two got to do business together.
1: Yeah. So we we met in October two thousand and twelve, no, 11, 2011. And um and we kind of our second date we came up with the idea. So we were on the beach, we were on a date on our second date and I couldn't find a bikini that I wanted to buy. There was nothing in between surf brands which were about 60, 50, 60 dollars but they were pretty basic back then and not cool and then higher end luxury which was 150 bucks which I couldn't afford back then. So I was like, there's nothing in between for someone like me that likes fashion, wants to look good, wants to access a bikini really quickly. So we had that discussion at the beach and that was pretty much when the idea came about. And then it took us a few months to get our head around the idea and do we want to do it and should we commit? And we decided to move to Hong Kong to start the business there.
0: Was it was Jodie Packers uh, or Jodie Mears in those days uh- Yes. Her stuff around? Tiger Lily, yes. Totally yeah, Lally. that
1: was the first. They were, I'm, yeah, they were around. They were more expensive, though. Zimmerman right. was around. Seafolly was around. Seafolly, I think, had the market share at the time in terms of that bikini, but they were still around $130. So anything over 100 felt out of sort of was not accessible for me. So anything under 100 felt more, and that was just surf brands. There was really no one else focusing on it. Like clothing brands did little bits of bikinis and there was a movement of celebrity swimwear, like celebrities starting swimwear brands in the States especially. But, again, they were all very overcooked, beading and lace, and just weird things on it. And there was just nothing cool. Oh Derek. Yeah, there was like there was nothing. So they, yeah, remember
0: the movie with yeah, Bo Derek? Yeah, yeah. and He had all the beads and literally was that was m- what was around. Everyone
1: was like, it was this fabulous thing that celebrities did, and it was just like they put so much on a bikini, and we were about taking everything off right. and pairing it back.
0: You couldn't find a bikini. I, I presume you weren't sitting there naked.
1: No, I think it was that morning, or perhaps the night before. Craig had said, "Do you want to go to the beach and hang out?" And I was like, "Absolutely!" And I'm thinking, "Shit." Which beach? I, Half Moon Bay down right. in Melbourne. Right. So not not we don't have the best beaches down there, but it was still cute. And um, so we, yeah, so I woke up in the morning on Saturday and was like, shit, I have to go and find a bikini. So I went to a shopping centre and panicked. Panic, shopped. And there was nothing. I ended up buying Zimmerman because I wanted to spend the money and look good. And I was $155, which for my modest salary back then was a, a lot. of a lot. Back then, 10 years ago, it was a lot of money. So I had a little Zimmerman bikini on.
0: But that's a survey, one person. Um, You were sitting there and you decided mm-hmm. as a result of your problem to potentially create a business. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What was his input? So
1: he is, he's a real entrepreneurial, creative person, more so than I was back then. Absolutely. I was 27. um, And I just didn't have that. I think back now it's different. I think young girls have that spirit younger, but I definitely didn't. And so he brought that kind of design creative, like we could do that. We could do that. Whereas I was more assessing the gaps that I saw. And it was a that I've always been interested in. You know, I worked in e-commerce previously or at the time I was I've always been in retail so I've always been seeing what customers are interested in and the psychology of a customer and what's making them want something and why they don't like something and every touch point of a retail store you know what is attracting them in what is sending them out what is making them come back so a lot of that application was what I put into that triangle early days of that retail knowledge that I had for sure but I was I backed myself in I mean I always had a pretty strong sense of belief in my 20s.
0: Yeah, because I remember there was, like, some pretty vivid colours, like, I, I'll be honest, I didn't like them, but, because uh, I thought they stood out too much. So, to, to really
1: me, strong yeah. colour blocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: To me, it was, like, look at me type thing. Yeah. And that's just a personality thing. I mean, that's not my bad, but my um, <laughs> so. But you decided to go into business.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What are the processes? What were the steps? What did you do?
1: Came up with the idea at the end of October. 2011. And we moved to Hong Kong in June, 2012. The
0: following year. But so what happened between yeah. October and June? What did you have to do? Did you have to give your job away? What? Did yeah, you have to we did. Yourself? Yeah.
1: Yeah. But that took a few months, it took about four months to kind of make that commitment. I think, you know, we sort of were doing it as a bit of a side hustle. We both had other full-time jobs, but it just didn't feel like it was going to go anywhere if we really didn't commit to it. You know, it's kind of that thing of saying, if you don't give it your all, then you're probably not going to get all back. And that was kind of our understanding pretty quickly with the business that that was what would happen. You know, we had to be, we'd be coming home from work and then we'd be working on it sort of at night and then on the weekends. And I didn't really like that because I still, even though we lost that work-life balance, I quite like having that time to myself and not be working around the clock. So... We quit our jobs and moved to Hong Kong, sold everything we had, which wasn't much, and made that move. We wanted to be close to the supply chain because we manufactured out of China and our sampling was done through Hong Kong and China. So we wanted to be close because at the time, and Craig was in design so he'd experienced this a lot, you lose weeks of sampling time because it's the back and forth and the back and forth and lost in translation. So he was really keen to sort of position us where we could access sampling and access manufacturing face to face
0: that's why you moved to hong kong yeah um, but, and I and I get that sort of makes sense. These days you can do things by Zoom and mm-hmm. internet and you've got mm-hmm. much more access. But yeah. before that though, you're sort of sitting around side hustling. What are you doing? Like you're, you're drawing pictures of what is it going to look yeah, like? Yeah,
1: it was a lot of, it was a lot of design. It was probably mainly design and that was Craig. He loves and still loves creating. And so he loved just coming up with design after design after design, designing the logo, coming up with the name um, and just sort of, just working out how we would do it and what was what was what was the way to do it? Would we wholesale? Would we be on online store? Because back then online stores were luxuries; they weren't necessities. It was sort of. Oh, so you, you know, going to
0: go online to start?
1: Yeah, we we wanted we always did want to do a website. Yep. We had fairly good contacts in Melbourne in that wholesale space from and retail, so we kind of thought, well, we'll do that as well. Um, but we got rid of that that model pretty quickly after launch. But we did want to do online. We we thought that there was something in that. There was something in that. Safety of trying on a bikini in the comfort of your own home versus in a store with bad lighting, bad you know, looking in you know, it's a it's an intimate moment. So yeah, totally. doing that at home feels more safe. So we really, I I personally really like that from my years in retail of knowing how awkward it was to knock on someone's changing changing See, room door and say it fit yeah hey going in there hey going in there I was like I don't want it I just don't want people to feel that about our brand yeah, I want yeah. every touch point to feel good. i
0: was just trying to get my head around this era giving of. up. What else did you? Do let you do a business plan or do no. some no business plan.
1: No, I'm very I'm I'm not a big business plan kind of girl. Did
0: you just sort of say how much money we need, how many we need to manufacture, what's the demand? What's, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. We worked out that if we sold one bikini a day, we would be able to sustain our current salaries. Right. So in terms of like replace them, not sustain, replace them, and that was enough to live off.
0: So how much is a bikini? The bucks. bikini
1: was seventy nine dollars, yeah. and our cost of the bikini was like everything was sort of around $10. Our margins were pretty good. Yeah. So we were basing our one bikini a day so it was sort of it was pretty modest. Yeah. But those were sort of rough calculations of original sampling that we did. And that process was slow. So like we sent things away to sample and that was coming in weeks later. And we were already thinking of more styles and by then we'd probably changed our ideas a few times of what we wanted to do. So we were finding that sampling process and that communication with China and Hong Kong really slow. And that was starting, it was kind of like, okay, this is just not going to work for us because we wanted to get in on something kind of quickly. We could see things were shifting. We could see Instagram was starting to blossom the slightest little bit and there were brands doing things on there, like very, very small and slowly but there was movement and there was a shift. There was a shift happening and we wanted to get in on it. So we just, we kind of made that decision to sort of do something.
0: So because it's a big call. Mm. I mean, Hong Kong is not a cheap place to live either, by the way. No. It's pretty expensive and you live in a room like about like the size of a shoebox. So yep. yeah, That was us.
1: Yeah. yeah, that was you. Yeah. Yep.
0: So, so okay, Moved to Hong Kong. You, mm-hmm. I mean, did you have someone to move to before you got there? I mean, what's did. your process?
1: We we found a place. Um, Craig had good contacts there from from his previous years designing and and doing what he was doing. So he'd found some contact, and we'd found a place. We just we hadn't seen it, but we'd gone and 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 looked at it on not even online. I think it was I can't even remember to be honest. But we found something before, so we had a place to move into, and we had ordered a few things. To kind of, and things to go over and we ordered a bed and very basic and we just kind of got into this apartment. And I'd actually never been to Hong Kong before, ever. So moving there was the first time I'd visited the city. But I was sort of, I've always been that kind of person that acts now and thinks later. Um, which has served me well and not well at times. And that was really one of those moments where Craig was really set on doing it. And I think he'd had the vision for that for a while. He was bankrupt when we met. So he had another business that had failed. So he had all these lessons and learnings and he wanted to apply his new way of thinking to this new business. And so I was just like, yeah, I'll come. Why not? Like, sure. What's like, what have I got? It was that sort of what have I got to lose mentality. Um, and when you're 27, you don't have that much to lose, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess also he's your bloke.
1: You
0: yeah. Know, and You <laughs> probably would have gone with him anyway, even if you weren't in business with him, yeah. perhaps. Yeah,
1: he was 10 years older as well. Yeah. So I was sort of very led. I was very led by him. So yeah, It's that's,
0: that's interesting, like in business, if mm-hmm. you've got a part, your life partner, whatever the word is, mm-hmm. um, how much influence does a 10-year-old, a person who's 10 years older than you have on you?
1: A lot. Yeah. A, a lot, definitely. I mean, that's that's a really big decade 27 to 37 so he had that on him that I hadn't had so I was going into that 27, 27 year old kind of mentality of like well life's just always crazy and then realized as I got into my 30s that this is a really big decade and that he'd been through it so he knew he was he was he knew there were gonna be hurdles and obstacles and mental health challenges and all those things and I hadn't had that yet so I didn't know so I was just like yeah I'll come I'll come, I trusted him and, you know, and it it paid off but there was probably on reflection too much trust in a person that's 10 years older I think because you do just listen to everything they say because they've lived it and yeah, you like, yep.
0: That's a good point. What would you say to your 27-year-old self back then?
1: I would say, I mean, I wouldn't say don't go. I would just say be prepared, like strap yourself in. I would probably say have you done any self development work because you're going to need some foundational work done before Which means you st- like mental health stuff like understanding who I was and understanding you know I had an I had an eating disorder at the time so I was dealing with a lot of image issues and self-worth issues and you know deep deep things and You just think at twenty seven that they'll go away, or that you'll just live with that, or whatever. You don't even. Or they're not issues. Yeah, they're not issues. Yeah, you're like this is just what you know. It's whatever. You just block it out. You just push it in the back of your mind. So I would say to her, if you don't deal with this on some level, and that can work parallel with growing a business and whatever you're doing, but if you don't start working on that stuff, you're going to fall into a heap. That's what I would say to her.
0: Because Hong Kong can be a pretty challenging place.
1: It was, yeah. Like I love the city so much, and it, (laughs) and it, it held me close because I had no family or friends over there. So. It, but it was really brutal. We didn't make a single friend. We lived there for three years and we didn't get to know anyone because we were so focused on growing the business. And, yes, that ended up in great success but it ended up in being completely alone as well at the Well, same
0: also time. tired. Yeah. And reliant. Yeah. Fortunately and unfortunately I've spent a lot of time in Hong Kong. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I found it to be one of the most um, um, incredibly Great experiences, mm-hmm. but also one of the most frustrating places you can ever be
1: mm. ever. Mm-hmm. And, yeah,
0: and you're you're never going to be accepted. No. back then, anyway. In, yeah. into the Hong Kong way of life.
1: Yeah,
0: um, you're always going to be an outsider. Yep, and it, and apart from being very expensive, if you fail there, you fail big, and it can be a big deal. And it's lonely. I mean, yeah. it's lonely enough here. Yeah, <laughs> if you're in business. <laughs> yeah, but there you're in business, and you're competing against. The locals,
1: mm-hmm. and it's
0: pretty pretty hard to get on top of them, mm-hmm. and they're very bloody smart, particularly in China. So yeah. you're there, yeah. You're there in Hong Kong, building this business. I, yep. I presume you're you're know, bootstrapping it with your own capital yep. in the beginning, yep. Taking all the risks. You're with a guy who's ten years older than you, much more experienced in pretty much everything compared to you. You've yep. got you know well, probably personally developed at this stage. Not many people are at that age. Every day, I guess you know he's in a position to. On one hand, he probably thinks he's guiding the business along Mm because, you know, in the best interests of everybody. Mm -hmm. But at the same time... If he fucks up, it's your problem. Yeah. Or well, both your problems at least. Yes, yeah. And you don't know whether he's fucking up or not.
1: No, <laughs> no, no. No, I don't know which way the wind is blowing. Like I'm just there going, I think this is how you do business or I think this is what you do here. I'm get- And I just was total trust. And then when mistakes happened and they inevitably did, it was on both of us. Yeah. And that was really challenging for me because I, I didn't know, I didn't know. I didn't, know, I didn't know how you to don't handle don't know what that. you don't know. That's the Yeah, point. and I didn't know. I wouldn't have been able to suggest anything else initially anyway because I'd never done it. Yeah. So it was pretty tough.
0: So yeah. you, you manu- how, how did you find your manufacturer in China?
1: We found them. We went to a trade show in Hong Kong and we sampled with a few different manufacturers and we found one factory that we liked. Went with them for a few years. They weren't great. They Could up- I
0: just stop you there for a second? Yeah. On. What do you mean? You sampled. I mean
1: so we went to a trade show and it's a bunch of different stalls and you go around and you have a chat to them and you find yeah. out the few you know, a few things like sample cost. Minimum order quantity. Back then we were very fortunate. Minimum order quantities were way lower than they are now. Yeah. Way lower. Um and we kind of just got a feel for we saw what they'd done before, they all had their samples there. And then we chose a few to sort of sample with. Or we take their card, they'd sort of take our details, and then we'd initiate a process. Sample sample, you mean like a sample of bikini.
0: Oh uh, so, so you go into this big trade show, which mm-hmm. is in a big hall somewhere. Yep. And there's all these little kiosks everywhere. Yep. And um, you'll go to the part where they make bikinis? Yes. And, uh, yeah. and you'll They say, have like, like a
1: swimwear trade fair. A swimwear trade yeah. fair. Yeah, okay. so it's like hype of like, it's like you can go there and, and find swimwear. And, so,
0: and you walk in there and you see, you know, six or seven of these guys dudes yeah. and you go up and you say, look, here's my pattern. Mm-hmm. You show them a pattern. You want.
1: show them designs, or you don't even have to really. You look at what they have out, and a lot of them you can see who they're manufacturing for. You know, and there were ones that probably were manufacturing for maybe Tiger Lily or other brands, and you could tell because they wouldn't have the. Tags on them, but they were the bikinis yeah, that they were the doing. You knew. Yeah. So you'd pick those people. You'd pick those ones that you knew were better quality. Yep. And then you'd see if they'd do it for the price that you want to do it at.
0: So, what because I was going to say, what's the negotiation? What are you, what are you trying to get from? Because you know that they're already doing something for whoever it is, Tiger Lily, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so you know that they can produce stuff. Yeah. You know what the quality is going to be like. Yeah what are you trying to get from them
1: well best the best quality best fabric best sewing skills you know i think we were also pretty keen back then to make sure that it was ethical so factory size being small was helpful because then it was more manageable for us to you know Go and visit. We also needed the location to be southern China, so we could go there quite regularly and get the train there and not fly because a lot of the clothing was just below Shanghai, which is too far for us to travel. So we, they needed to be near us. Um and those few, those few so those. you go to Guangzhou? Things, we went there, we, we would go there and then we'd catch a train there. Catch a train there. So yep. Shenzhen, Guangzhou, and then we would get a bus to, I've totally forgotten the name of the factory, where we would get a bus there. Right. And then we would stay there for weeks at a time. So
0: convenient, not convenience, but um, ease of the logistics is probably a pretty important factor. good yeah. so yeah. And can yeah. you explain why it's an important factor? I mean, why do you need to be able to get to these joints often
1: because you want to ensure that things are running smoothly and you want to have them to know that you are on top of it so
0: quality assurance
1: quality assurance um you know making sure that the conditions are nice as well you know i what we were mindful of of, of the condition of some factories and they were terrible. What do they you mean by that? Just really, just dirty, overworks, you know, women and, and like sleeping there. I mean, they always sleep pretty much in the towns and they're next door anyway, but just making sure that, th- that they were fed well because they're there 12 hours a day. They live just, there. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they live next door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got really obsessed with that whole thing. Space actually, and read Why? a bunch of books. I was really interested in the psychology of it all, and what and and were they trapped there, and like was that their only choice? Did they want to work there? So I did a bit of that. So I think was there a narrative say,
0: going on at the time? Were we talking at that stage about um, shoes being made in various places around the world where slave labor and all sorts of stuff? I think so.
1: I think it was around. It was probably Apple. I remember. I remember really clearly remember the Apple iPhone stuff about all the factories and slave labor and you know it wasn't for me it wasn't it wasn't worried about what the customer thought about it but it was more just the interest in wanting to know you know because we were looking after them so it was sort of you know it felt like the right thing to do it wasn't a huge focus it was more an interest to be honest and something that we just wanted to be close to to ensure that they were being looked after. so Also, so they would sew nicely. So if they knew us, then they would take care of the triangle pieces because they liked us. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. I'm back from the break, and here we with Erin, and we're talking about the Triangle Saga, <laughs> and, you know, and everything looks great so far. Mm-hmm. You know, we've landed in Hong Kong, we're living there now, we're manufacturing just outside of a bus ride out of Guangzhou, which is you know only train ride from Hong Kong, all looks sweet, everything's perfect, She's and her co-founder happens to be her bloke. Um, what can go wrong?
1: What can go wrong? Oh, what um, can't go wrong? What can't go wrong? What can't go wrong? Look, that factory actually ended up stealing, trying to steal our brand and registering their own name in China, registering our name in China. Triangle. Yep. Yeah, they didn't get there. We blocked it. Um, but Voice,
0: it was, how does that happen? How do you do that? How do you block
1: it? I we had to file in China and say that we have these other trademarks around the world, and we also were this is this is our brand, and they're impersonating us. It was it was how it did was you know our, they did it? It was our they because they we I think it was we went. Some No, it was someone else who was manufacturing in that factory as well that we'd gotten to know and they were there and they found these boxes of our bikinis but with a different brand name and they took photos of them and sent them to us and said, S- is this you? Something's going on here. And we were like, oh, no, oh, my God. And that was our first IP issue, first of many, but that one was huge. That one was probably one that could have killed the business, to be so honest.
0: It- were they selling, you know, because you, your market was Australia.
1: Yes. O- only Australia? Uh, at that point it would have been, yes. yes. Yeah, so a bit, little bit in the States but not really.
0: Were they going to try and sell in Australia, do you think, or were they just selling I yours? I think they were
1: selling in China. And China. I think they were trying to push into Australia because they were setting up a website and copying our website. I don't really think they'd thought that part through.
0: This is, an, this is a common well, Certainly then it mm. was a common occurrence mm-hmm. with um, yeah. businesses of manufacturing yeah. in China, and particularly we, in the rake trade.
1: Yeah, and we still don't even, I mean, we're assuming that they were using our fabric and every, and not, and steal, every, stealing everything from us um, and they just did their own little labels, but we had to pull everything out of the factory and they didn't let us. So we ended up- I does that mean pull
0: everything out, like all the well, stuff? Well, that-
1: we were trying to get all our- fa- we were trying to leave. So we- yeah. Craig went there, which is actually really quite a- it was a terrible situation. I was still in Hong Kong because I was trying to- we were trying to run this business that was doing quite well. And I was in Hong Kong keeping everything going there. He went to China, he arranged a truck, went to the factory to start loading everything- and they brought all these heavies down, all these Chinese men, to stop it from happening. Ended up being really scary. The police got called in China when those things happen. You, you know, you, you, you basically kind of. It's pretty. You know, you're at their mercy. You, that you know, he's a he's a six foot four foreigner who's there saying, these guys are ripping me off. Who do you think they're going to side with? Mm. It's going to be their their friends who, anyway, this is a nightmare. He didn't get arrested. We ended up having to leave. We had to get rid of all of our stock. They kept everything. What do you mean got,
0: had, had to get rid of your stock?
1: Well, that, well we, we didn't get rid of it. They kept it. So you lost it. We lost it. We lost everything. We lost all the styles that we only had our stock that was in our office, warehouse, home in Hong Kong. Wow. Everything else was gone. Did you
0: take legal action against them?
1: Uh, we tried. And how did you do that? Dropped it. We found a lawyer.
0: In Hong Kong? In China. In China. Right. Through
1: Hong Kong. My God. Um, but no one really wanted to take it on yeah. because it was just going to cost us a lot of money and be a losing battle anyway. So how did you IP
0: corrupt. defend? I mean, how did you defend your intellectual property? Well,
1: from then we started to really aggressively defend our IP and really push forward on registering trademarks, which is such an expensive totally. Such an expensive job. I know startup would, would, as much as I would say it's really important to do, you can't afford to. No. It was costing us thousands and thousands and thousands of yeah. dollars for the on the off chance that someone might try and steal your brand or use your name. You know, it was crazy and it was such a frustrating part of the business because it takes away your focus on everything to do with strategy and scaling and growth and you're there and in, in, you know protecting yourself from people that are copying you it was just so frustrating um and and was you know pretty consistent through the entirety of the business because when you're a successful business people want to come and write on your coattails and steal your designs steal your products steal your strategies steal everything so it became a bit of a felt like Every for there was a while there where it started. It was like especially when people started copying us that we would have an issue at around nine or ten p.m. at night. For some reason, it was when we would seem to be alerted of these things, and we'd be awake till one or two a.m. Stressing about what we do. You know, there were some really big players that ripped us off. Like Victoria's Secret was a huge one. They ripped you off. Yeah, massively. So how
0: how, how does that work? I mean, they They just
1: they just copy your styles. They're not. They were known to do that. Um, they would they would copy everyone. Agent provocateur—that's um, the main one I can think of in terms of their lingerie, because that was what they were known for. And then they went into swimwear, and they copied us all the time. They're like carbon copies in their own their own names, and it was their own brand, but it was literally a copy of our bikinis. Many years
0: ago, when I used to work in this law firm, um, we had a lot of ag traders as our clients, and I remember I used to go to Hong Kong with them, not to look at the the design and stuff, but. More to set structures up, and they used to go and get samples,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, they would get samples of all this stuff that was getting made in China, and mm-hmm. and, and they used to go to Europe and do the same thing, mm-hmm. and they and the, to bring through customs here in Australia, they had to cut it or something like that, they had to it had to be damaged or yep. some of like that, otherwise you got pay tax, you pay some tax yeah. of importing stuff, mm-hmm. so everything was sort of somehow damaged, yeah. But they used to declare it as samples and then they'd bring it back here and they'd sit down with their business team and they'd say, well, um next year's um production of pajamas or whatever it is, they make girls dresses or something mm-hmm. like that. Um we'll we'll go with the style which is the latest style in Europe or wherever it is. Mm-hmm. And um but just basically a copy shit.
1: Oh yeah, that was that was what everyone in Australia did because we were 6 months behind. Yeah. So uh, even long so even that's more normal than that. That, wasn't that it? was normal. Yeah. That was normal. And that was the thing in the industry is that it's been known to be like that. I yeah. mean, you see it now brands still reference brands all the time. Yep. And it's a fine line now because it's you reference a brand that might be a 20-year-old style. And is that copying or is that just referencing? Everyone is copying or referencing other styles. I mean we did it. We referenced a lot of other brands in our infancy for sure. Because you can't not. Well there's no I mean, new
0: no new design, so to speak. No, I mean, there can't be. How can you sorry, innovate a
1: bikini that much? You can't. Yeah, yeah. It's it, you really can't. So it was it was sort of finding we reference a lot of old Styles, you know, like older things like crochet and velvet. Oh, my God, and- crochet.
0: I remember the crochet. Begins. Yeah,
1: well, they're coming back again. So we Seriously? tried to do it, didn't work. Um, it's very hard to do in swimwear, very hard because there's Cause- no stretch. And it's kind of, I've seen. And it like- always,
0: when it gets wet, it looks terrible. It looks terrible. It's like just, hanging around the joint. And it
1: will never fix itself again. It yeah, yeah. will never come back. Yeah, it does yeah. no stretch, nothing. But
0: these are tied up on the sides. Yeah. Now, I remember yeah. my girlfriend when I was a teenager, she had one. A, but just yeah. on the Victoria's Secret stuff yes. and people ripping you off yeah. or ripping your designs off, Um Whilst it's a punishment, a pain in the ass, et cetera, but isn't it inevitable that's going to happen given that's the, that was the process that yeah. everybody adopted?
1: So it is and it's one thing that I advise on a lot because brands obviously as soon as they experience any kind of growth, any kind of success, the copy has come and the key, what I say is instead of focusing on it because we did and we lost a lot of time, we lost a lot of money. Just expect it. Yeah, and and innovate. You're the innovator. Trust that you are the innovator and innovate because they're not an innovator, they're a copycat and they'll always be around. You can't get rid of them. So focusing on them is just a waste of your time. time. Use that time and energy to innovate. You know, yeah. and every brand has it, even not even around products. It's around brands that have strategies that work and they're like, someone's copying my strategy. And it's like, innovate. Then, but that's what fashion's you know. all about too. Oh, yeah.
0: Fashion's totally. about innovating something new or yeah. bringing something back that hasn't been around for a long exactly. time. Exactly. It's, it's
1: circular. It's, it just keeps totally going. Totally yeah. circular. Yeah.
0: And, and so that, that would be good advice and that's yeah. the sort of stuff I guess you're doing in your business. Yeah, yeah. Sort of advising mm-hmm. pretend, b- b- retailers, for example, in this yeah. environment. Um, and. Therefore, don't get your knickers in a knot in that regard mm. because you lose too much time and effort and bullshit, money, et cetera. Yeah. Stressing it about blowing up against something that's happened because it's always going to happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So is that one big lesson that you learnt and you're now bringing back to your advisory business yeah. as a result of being in the triangle business?
1: Yeah, definitely. Mm. And, and just where to focus your energy on because – time is really important and it's okay to be frustrated in the moment. So, you know, I, a lot of, they, like, I'll get a phone call and they're like, oh my God, I just found this website and it's blah, blah, blah. And they, and it's like, you can have that angry moment, five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, however long, and then drop it. Yeah. Because it's just wasting your time. Yeah. Do something. Don't, but don't, don't, you know, and they'll, people will be like, should I draft an email? Should I get a lawyer to draft an email? And it's like, well, a lawyer is going to charge you for that. And they want there to be a fight. That's actually they what they want. So they're not doing. They're not going to draft a letter or an email that's going to be sending once and done. They want to start a process. So don't do that. Don't get like don't get anyone involved. Just drop it. Pretend you didn't even see it. That's the advice that that I think is really important. And
0: I think your point before is a really good one. Be the innovator. Yeah. That's why because if you're not the innovator, you're going to get copied. And there's an old saying. Yeah. The greatest form if you're doing well. So the greatest form of admiration is emulation. So yeah. If. Someone's admiring you or people are admiring you and you're feeling all admired and you're admiring yourself because you did really your job one thing is going to be for sure, someone's going to copy you.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and that's the whole influencer landscape that we're seeing now. Like influencers are being copied. That's the that's that's their draw card, is that we all want to copy what they're doing. We all want to be influenced by them. So it's it's a positive in so many respects. It just flips into a negative when someone sees their business being copied.
0: Just can we talk about influencers for a second? Yeah. Um, did you guys <laughs> use any influencers or anyone who was of influence to put your bikini wear on the world stage?
1: Oh, yeah. We use them all yeah uh, how did you get we, them how do you, how do you well use them? we there's one my favorite stories and i've told this story a lot but it's a good one is the kendall jenner effect so we we always we were always using influencers. we were always gifting so our strategy was gifting with no expectation of anything in return so setting up a really positive flow of you know we're going to send you this but don't just if you like it whatever just like there you go there's a gift no, nothing asked. And that was working with our sort of micro, I guess they're called micro-influencers now, or people with smaller followings. But to get the big fish, they all wanted to be paid and we couldn't afford to, nor did we want that transactional situation because it's not genuine or we didn't feel that it was really genuine. So we pinpointed a few people, number one being Kendall Jenner. Why? She was Well, she was the pinnacle of that younger girl. I think at the time she would have been 17 Perhaps so. She was really there in the, in the states as well. This was us cracking into America because Australia was already moving, and we could see the growth was fantastic. But to get into America, we needed to go Kendall Jenner. So we instead of going after her, which would have resulted in, yes, I'll wear them, give me money, we gifted to all of her friends in her circle. So we did a bit of investigating and we gifted to, there are about six of them. Um, Two of them are really well-known celebrities now in her circle, in that little LA circle. Um, But we gifted everyone to try and hook her because if we don't gift her, then her ego is going to get in the way and say, where's mine? And she emailed me because she got my email through one of the girls one morning and said, Hey, all my friends have been wearing your bikinis. They're amazing. Can I get some too? And we're like, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Oops, we forgot about you. So yeah, so she wore them. We sent her the whole collection. She tweeted about them. Actually, it was on Twitter because she was using Twitter back then, and then linked it to her Instagram. And that was it. That launched us into the states. Like back then, it was, it was that. It was it was pretty easy to do it like that to, yeah. to get in. And today,
0: what would you advise your client today
1: though? I would say... Do, I mean, still pick your people that you're aligned with, absolutely, but go for influential people not and, and people of influence for your brand. So when people set up a brand, and a product or a service, and they have intentions behind it of why they're doing this. So pick people that you really want. It might only be two or three and persist. Go after them again and again and again. If you can afford to pay and put some money into it, I wouldn't do that into paid advertising. I think at the moment we're so sick of seeing influencers doing paid advertising this sponsored this there's no authenticity anymore so something we're at the start of something shifting with that it's not there yet but it's happening so I would say go after people that because it's still it is still important to get on people that are influential but influential is not just your number of followers because yes you might gift and have someone with a lot of followers wear your product or, or or you know do whatever your service is and that results in some initial sales, but you won't get repeat. You won't get any loyalty. We got loyalty back then, but that doesn't, no one's loyal anymore. So you have to kind of play and navigate that and pick people that are going to actually believe in your brand and use it over and over again. They love the your product. stuff. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. you have to pick those people, yeah. you know. And and for me, it's like what I teach and what I'm telling people with businesses to do is, that is easy to do if you understand your intentions behind why you're having a business and you're aligned with that. Like if you're just going, I want them to wear it because then 500,000 people will see it and I'm just going to do that and then that'll work and whatever. It just doesn't, there's no, people don't care anymore. People want to people want to feel connections. They want to believe in something. They want something authentic. So they're not going to, like that, it's just the old models don't work. It's about pairing it back and 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 also just like more old school marketing even i would even like word of mouth and like doing more old school tactics i think at the moment whilst we're in this like it's there's a there's a shift it's like 10 years ago was the start of influencers we're 10 years on pretty much to the like exactly to that something's changing and there's no point going down the paid advertising route because all The influencers doing it are boring. I mean, if they're boring the hell out of me, mm. I know they're boring. Well, the you know exactly out of what's happening else. when it
0: says paid at to the top.
1: Oh, you're just yeah, like, well, why would I, yeah. you know, no? And then you see, because these influencers, when they do a little snippet with something else in it, everyone will be like, what is that? What is that? Because they're like, that's the actual thing that they like, you know, that's the actual thing that they're using, not that thing they're being paid thousands of dollars to talk to me about.
0: Because it's funny, I was, I was listening to, um, Dr. Andrew Hooverman the other day mm-hmm. and I was listening to him talk about some stuff and yeah. uh, and he's very clever the way he talks about f- his sponsors because he'll say yeah, there's there's one brand there called um, Athletic Greens. It's mm-hmm. just sort of a, a foundation brand. Uh, thing you have to just give you all your vitamins and minerals and various other things. Yeah. And um, the way he talks about it, is he says, well, I'm doing this. I'm using it. And this is the best one i found. Yeah. And I find it. I, I have it every morning first thing I'm on him. He starts talking a little bit about what he does, how we use it. Yeah. And he doesn't sort of say, I'm doing an ad for these guys. He basically says, I use this. Yeah. And all of a sudden you go, well, fuck, I trust this dude. Yeah. And I'm looking for that sort of stuff. So yep. maybe I should buy some of that shit too. Yeah. And, uh, and then you become, I become attached to it. Yeah, now I have become attached exactly. to it as a part of my process. It, it forms part of my rhythm. Just talking about rhythm. Yeah. When you're with your partner,
1: mm-hmm.
0: your your bloke and your business partner, mm-hmm. what is the rhythm of when you you and he sit down and talk about strategic stuff relative to your business? So, do you you know both get up at five o'clock in the morning, have a cup of coffee, and that's your time when you talk, or do you do it before you go to bed at night, or how does that rhythm work?
1: We would we would just do it all the time. We were just it was just. But you weren't in the same every, office. Like- we were together. We were together twenty four seven, and yeah. we had no one else. So yeah. it yeah, was true. all consuming, too much. There was no balance. There was no switch off from it. It was work, work, work all the time. Strategy, this, I've seen this. What do we think about that? You know, I've sent this out. I think we should, you know, gift to that girl. I think we should do a pop-up there. I've seen this brand starting to do this. What do we think about that? It was constant all day, every day. Intense. We were very different and similar and would, it was a very, I would say toxic relationship. Towards the end. Yeah. I would say almost the whole way through.
0: How long do you reckon that two people
1: mm-hmm.
0: in those environments mm-hmm. can last. I mean, like when you're doing business. So, I mean, is, is two years going to like sort of be your um, end date or do you reckon three, four years? I mean, how long before which you do you think in your case that you went, oh, this is just too hard?
1: Well, we were fortunate that Triangle was so successful that it masked a lot of the problems. If you didn't have a successful business, it would have been maybe two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, I'm plucking that number out of thin air, but it wouldn't have been long. But because we had such success and we were experiencing this together, this Mm. insane growth, that – was able to sort of keep it going. And I was able to, we were able to, we would ignore the huge arguments we would have or the really toxic moments. And we were both just as bad as each other. I definitely brought my bit to the table as as much as he did. It was just, it was just too much. We put too much pressure on ourselves to do what we did. And yes, it resulted in success, but it resulted in the demise of our relationship and my mental health and probably his mental health as well. Um, but yeah, I would say not very long. You wouldn't sustain that intensity for long if you didn't have some distraction, aka a business that was very successful.
0: But you need the intensity though to make the business successful. Well, you know
1: what? It was like pressure makes diamonds. And we had such an opposing skill set that it did work. It cost us a lot, but it did work. It really did. I mean, he still has triangle now. So... He's doing really well with it. I think it's probably a lot more calm for Did him he without buy me there. Out. Did he yeah. buy you out? Yeah.
0: He bought you out. Yeah. Yes. Did yep. he get investors to buy help?
1: Nope. Buy no. 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 It was so cash flow positive, and we'd made a lot of money.
0: So like, what does that mean? Like, I mean, were you doing selling ten thousand bikinis a week? I don't know what. I'm, yeah, it was no two thousand
1: bikinis a day. A day. Yeah. Yeah. That was at our peak, um, and yeah, it was. It was. It was a lot of money, and our our because we were just online, we had huge, huge like the percentage of profit was huge. It was about 50% profit. Big margins. Yeah, huge. Yeah, it was really, really, we'd, we'd run a really tight ship and it was just Craig and I and one designer, a small supply chain team in Hong Kong, but no PR, no marketing, no operations, no accounts, no anything. It's anyone. nice and lean. Really lean. Yeah, well, The Lean Startup was the book that we based our whole business off. Yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah. is the reason why he bought you because you split up? Yeah. Yeah, so you, you guys said... Stuff it. That's enough. I mean, yeah. How, how does that work? Ah, how-
1: uh, that was it. Was a long time coming. So it was almost like, oh, this is mm-hmm. at the end. I was nine months pregnant with our second child. So okay. So a- during
0: this period, you've had a couple of kids as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. As so well. Like, you just throw that, throw that fun curveball in the mix. Yeah. it Was that was pretty crazy in Hong Kong. In yeah, in Hong Kong actually. Yep. Yeah. We moved to Monaco a month, two months after we had our first, but we went back to Hong Kong to have the second because I loved the system there. It was actually a really good healthcare system, better than Monaco, surprisingly. Um, And, yeah, we were just like, this is done. This isn't sustainable. We now have children. It's not about us. So this toxic situation, they can't see that. Yeah. It's not. This is not good. We have to do the best thing for them and for ourselves. So we separated. And, you know, good intentions always. Four years later, we only settled last year. So it, it was a real.
0: T- it takes time. It
1: takes time, it, it, yeah.
0: It, unfortunately. It yeah. just we get
1: along really well now. Yeah. We've we worked very hard to get to that place. So what was that like? Ooh, it was tough. Yeah. yeah, it was tough. It was really tough. It's You have to dig so deep when you are. When, when we'd shared so much together and had two children together. So you can't say, I don't want to see you ever again. You're out of my life. So you have to dig so deep to see the good in another person through that process and genuinely put other people ahead of yourself, like our children to ensure that they were going to grow up seeing their parents getting along. And that's the hardest thing, hardest thing I've ever done.
0: So whilst you weren't like, were you married or just No, we
1: weren't actually. So that was a little easier because we weren't married. So we didn't have to do that paperwork situation.
0: In terms of splitting up, Mm -hmm. were you mostly married to the business or mostly married to him? Business. So the split was the hardest part for you was splitting from the business?
1: Probably. Everything. It was splitting from every part of my identity that I'd attached myself to. That's the issue. Yeah. It was like. I remember when I, when we did the first agreement for me to exit and thinking this is the moment. So we separated in October, 2017 and I exited in April, 2018. And I thought that that moment in April, we were in London and I thought, this is it. I'm going to feel so good. And I remember feeling the worst I've ever felt and going, oh no, there's something really wrong here. I have a feeling I might be completely broken and i have no idea who i am because it was that you know the business was me was part of the business it was part of me that was everything that i knew about myself i'd spent seven years giving every part of myself to that there's no
0: erin it was craig and erin
1: yep and then triangle yeah so no erin zero she was she was 27 Mm. when i so it was it was really so what would
0: you say to your clients now About that type of thing. Yeah, look,
1: I would say, and this is what I teach, I'm really passionate about it, is that if you're about to start a business or if you already have one, but probably the ones that are at the start as well, because they're the ones that are a bit easier to grab, you have to start doing that work on yourself. You have to do the foundational mental health, wellness, whatever you want to call it, holistic way of approaching your life. Because as much as things will go crazy and and for mine it did. If I'd had some foundation of my identity before at 27, had a little bit and I think that, no, back then it was okay, no one was doing it but there's no excuse now. We know. We know mental health is linked to exercise. We know mental health is linked to breath work, to meditation, to all of these things. There is no excuse to not put that into your life in business. You don't have to go a million miles an hour at a business and lose yourself in that process. There's going to be moments where you feel like you've lost yourself. Absolutely. That's how that happens. That's part of it. But if you have the foundation of knowing enough about yourself to go, I know how to deal with this, have my angry moment, have my overwhelmed moment, have whatever it is, and then go back to what I know about myself, then you're going to be set up for more success that way. Because yes, I had a lot of success and I did it in spite of that, but it took me four whole years after Triangle to work out who I was again. And that's a long time to be a broken individual. You know, I had two more babies during that time. I met my now fiancé and it, so much good was happening but I was still really, really struggling. And if I'd started doing that work earlier, I wouldn't have had to do Would that. Would you
0: suggest to your clients who you talk to now yeah. that if they have a co- co-founder partner, business <laughs> partner or partners, that yeah. they need an agreement? What happens if we split up?
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like a legal agreement. A legal agreement, you know. Do it when things are going great. Obviously, Mm. do it at the start. Have something set in place that is for both of you in those moments. So legislate
0: now for what happens in the future. Absolutely.
1: I mean, it's like it's like when people get married and there's you know someone has all the money. It's like prenup. It's like that is smart. It is just smart. Mm. Remove the emotion. It's it's going to benefit because if it's like what's what's if it doesn't go shit then it's fine but if it does then you have that to refer yeah, to because we had nothing deal. we had we had nothing in yeah. place and it was the worst experience ever that you could ever go through for someone that had just no idea you know it's i yeah no do the do the it do something so you're consulting business now stuff. yeah
0: is that driven by the fact that you had such a good end or bad both mm-hmm. um interesting um broad experience in this process that you've yep. decided you want to take this to others.
1: Yes. Yeah. It, look, I could I could teach how to be successful. I could teach the logistics of business, you know, the scaling, the growth, you know, I I analyze the landscape now and I I know I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm a business-minded person, but it would be so remiss of me and i just couldn't do it to not teach that more holistic side that because what i went through you know i had so much success and and commercial success and the wealth, and I didn't enjoy it. But well, you get I drunk on the
0: success anyway. You do, and yeah. And you yeah, wake up with yeah, a fucking hangover. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like I have to teach people that you have to take care of yourself. Because what's the point in how you know, people start a business and they most people do want commercial success. They want wealth, they want money, they want to, they want to have the freedom and the choice and the this. What's the point if you get it and you don't actually enjoy your life? What is the point? So that is what I teach. That's because cool. I have to. That's
0: very cool. Yeah. So and and how's it tracking?
1: Good. Yeah. Really good. I'm still finding my feet in that way because I only I, you know, I launched in November and it's it's been really exciting to put it out into the market. I had during my own discovery work abandoned my triangle side because I was like, no, I have to leave that identity behind so now I'm owning that again and this year is about that it's saying no I did I am a leader in that space because I did build a global multi-million dollar business I'm allowed to have my seat at the table as well as teaching the holistic spirituality mindfulness side I don't feel that people think there's a fork in the road of you either go with commercial success and wealth and money or you go with like wellness and holistic and mindfulness there's no fork in the road there's a there's balance it's in you have to do both and that I'm I've that's what I'm clear on now. But it took me a few months even after launching to get really clear on that in in terms of what I'm teaching.
0: Well, based on the clarity, I think that's probably perfect place to stop because yep.
1: to, be, <laughs> no, but to be honest
0: with you, you just nailed it. Yeah. And and I mean I've had the same sort of similar experiences and if you go in a business with a co-founder and happens to be your partner, or yep. well, even if you don't go with your partner but you have mm-hmm. a co-founder yep. and you go into business, just be prepared Yeah. shit will happen.
1: Shit will happen. Yep. yep. And just know who you are yeah. before you go into it. And
0: just be prepared, though. are <laughs> doing thanks very much. Thank you so much. I look much, forward to Mark. knowing what the name of your business is I going to be. I know, I'm going
1: to keep it a secret for a little while longer. You're right now. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, <everyone. laughs> thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley and production assistant Jonathan Leondis.